It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson. This one is gone on Tigers Radio 97.1. The ticket. 248-539-9797 is the phone number. Pat Caputo along with Double D, Dan Dickerson, Tiger Talk here on 97.1. The ticket. and Dan will be joined today by uh, Tiger's third baseman, Nick Castellanos. Yes, indeed. How you doing, Pat? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's uh, good to be here. Uh, we got uh, Tiger Fest this weekend. You're going out on it's a, a big week. I call it the double legs tour. Going <laughs> to go out there on that uh, Tiger uh, caravan, which is yep, great. Thursday, tradition, Friday. Honestly. So the West Michigan Whitecaps banquet's always a lot of fun. I mean, they packed that place. You know, that, we talk about it a fair amount. That's a phenomenon over yeah. there. What they've done with the Whitecaps and the attendance at those games and uh, the players who've come through there. And Alex Avila's getting inducted into their Hall of Fame. It was Don Kelly last year, among others. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, it really is uh, west side of the state, huge, obviously, Tiger territory. And uh, it is. And then we have Tiger Fest on Saturday, the big two-hour show. Well, it is. You know, the one thing uh, that you get a dose of when you go on that tour in those different stops is that the Tigers aren't just a metro uh, Detroit area team. And I think it's one thing that uh, I really like from day one, and Mike Illich is on the team he talked about. He's always sensed that tradition as it is a, a statewide team. You mentioned it Grand is. Rapids. You worked in Grand Rapids uh, eight years earlier in your career, yeah. so you understand that. Uh, you know, Mickey Stanley's from there. They had that team, the Sullivans, that was there forever. Great forever and ever. team. And uh, Bob Sullivan was part of the Tigers family, and he was a bit of a character and, you know, part of that. So, you know, all those things are are big things in, in this state. And you go to Flint, they're like that. You go up into the upper parts and regions, Tiger baseball is great. You know, one of the great moments, I would share this with you, because you were on the call that day, my father-in-law, uh, you know, he passed a, a couple years ago. And uh, his his uh, father was Lou D'Annunzio, and he was a scout that signed Willie Horton oh, yeah. and Bill Freehand. And, uh, you know, a lot of Hell Newhauser. He was the bird dog scout that signed Hell Newhauser, and he coached him. You know, uh, at that time, John McHale Sr. So he's a, you know, kind of a big name in, in Tigers. Lawyer. He signed Mike Illich, uh, which is uh, <laughs> That's a pretty good you, list right yeah, there. Pretty good list. I, you know, one of the things I, I sent over there, I don't know if uh, Illich got it, but I, I gave it to Ron Coangelo. I said, here, you know, this was a no. I was going through the guy's papers. It was Jim Campbell congratulating him when Mike Illich bought the Red Wings. And oh, my gosh. guys did well. But anyway, make a long story short, we're driving down 75. We're coming back. We were in Frankenmuth. And uh, it was 2011, and that was a great year for the Tigers. They'd bounce back, and they had all these exciting comeback wins, if you remember. And I remember we're at uh, Zenders, and they got this old TV that was there when I originally <laughs> went to Zenders when I was a kid. The only time I they went to a kid. Changed it. It's the same TV. You know the one I'm talking about. It's in the lobby yeah. there. And uh, the Tiger game is on. They're playing Cleveland. And uh, the Tigers and Cleveland were in a pretty fierce pennant race. It was July or something. And we're coming back, and we're driving down 75, and we're caught in traffic. It's a holiday weekend. It's a Sunday. And that was a game that Austin Jackson threw the guy out at the plate to end the game. game. 
And, uh, you know, just listening to the broadcast, we're sitting on the edge of our seat, and we're just coming from this place where everybody was huddled around the TV, a little bit out of state, but people from all over the state congregate there, especially in the summertime for that whole, you know, Frankenmuth experience. And it just reminded me of what the state is like. Your call was so great. He got him at the plate or whatever you said. And uh, it was a great time. So, uh, you know, that's the way it is with the state, and you get a sense of that as you, you go do on the, on the caravan. You really do. We don't go to Traverse City this year, but, uh, I mean, you know, that's where people bring the radios in the summer. And I know because I hear from people who go, this is where we go on the weekends or for a week or two, and you hear from a lot of those people, even the people, obviously, who live up there as well. So uh, it is statewide, and that's why, we, you know, the Tigers have built that radio network and the station has built that radio network all, all throughout the state. Oh, yeah. You know, John Fetzer, too, is the former owner of the Tigers back in the day. He was a radio guy. Yep. He owned these radio stations. He bought those stations. And I remember one time we stopped at some institute where he was doing a lot of stuff in Kalamazoo when we were on that. And John Fetzer came out. It was after a couple of years, like, after he owned the team. And, gosh, I remember being on the bus. It used to be a lot different there. We'd travel on one bus. And uh, I'll never forget, you know, playing uh, Hearts, like with Cecil Fielder and these guys. I'm thinking, man, if this thing were for money, I, I'd be way out of my league. <laughs> You know, if I were throwing the queen right now, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> but anyway, Hearts is a great game on the, it on, is. On the bus. So it the absolutely ba- is. It's definitely a baseball game. So, <laughs> But anyway, uh, 248-539-9797 is the phone. A couple things. You know, I, I, we talked to Alavila last week, uh, the Tigers general manager. Dan, we, we talked about trades. And, you know, the obvious thing that came up, there are two names that have keep coming up. I keep hearing it in a little, little uh, uh I don't know, sources or whatever I'm talking about. And, I, and I've been hearing Jose Iglesias' name a lot. Uh, from I heard it from a couple different things and sources about Jose Iglesias is is getting a lot of interest or the Tigers are looking to move him. Uh, he's got a $4.1 million. I think right. it's 4-1, maybe 2 or something like that. It was 4, though. Uh, over 4 uh, that he won. In, well, he didn't win it. He signed before they went to arbitration. That's a pretty good-sized contract. He's under control for a couple more years, but just a couple more years. And he had a real good year defensively last year with his metrics and things. There's some interest in him. Um, would the Tigers be willing, because they might be able to get something for Jose Iglesias, willing to trade him and uh, use Dixon Machado at shortstop? What are your thoughts on that? Cause I, would I, love to, I would love to hear what people think, because you and I were talking a little bit before. It's an interesting topic. Yeah. Because Iglesias looks like the prototypical, terrific gold glove shortstop. He does not quite grade out at that level. He was improved last year, no question. We've talked about some of his weaknesses that still persist, uh, especially going to the hole. But, I mean, he he's 26 this year, right? Yeah. And you kind of know what you have in Jose Iglesias. He's going to turn 27. He actually just turned 27. A solid player. Uh, below average hitter, probably. Not great on the bases. I mean, obviously, you can you can live with Iglesias at short, obviously. But the Tigers, I don't think Alavila is talking about Dixon Machado projecting as an everyday player. And this is what they believe, is that he can hit enough to be an everyday player. I don't think they're talking about that just to try to pump up maybe his value because he's out of options. I really don't. I, I believe that's what the Tigers believe. I've seen him enough at short, I think, to think that he could hold down shortstop Probably not a platoon with uh, Andrew Romine, but Romine would probably get some playing time there. But he's a very good defensive shortstop. He's not a great hitter. I do like his walk rate in the minor leagues. That's not a small thing. Shows he's got a little command of the strike zone. So it's intriguing to me. Could you, as a Tiger fan, would you 
be okay with the idea of Dixon Machado at shortstop and trading Jose Iglesias, who becomes a fan favorite because he is he can make plays that nobody else can make. Yeah, he's very flashy and uh, he's fun to exciting watch. to watch. And uh, every once in a while, he makes a play that makes you just you know roll your eyes and go, "Wow, I can't believe I saw that." Metrically, he doesn't grade out that well, but he did last year. At least I saw on the fan graphs, he was the seventh best. Position player in baseball defensively last year, Fangraphs had him that way. Yeah, BIS didn't agree, Baseball Info Solutions, but, I mean, those are those are the two you look at, really. And uh, I think Baseball Info Solutions a little better, just because I think they're a little more thorough. But it depends your, on your, you point, look at. Right, your point is well taken. So, uh, you know, looking at it, I don't know. And then the other thing on Dixon Machado, and I try to keep up on Toledo, and, you know, you can, it's pretty easy. I obviously... Spend a lot of time that uh, shows I need a life watching uh, their games. But, um, you know, to be honest with you, I, I have to be true. And Machado's been up. I, I don't have a feel for how whether he's going to be a re- major league regular or remotely or whether he's a 4A I player. I think, def- yeah, de- defensively, I really don't have any doubts. I really don't. Yeah. So I Unless don't, the wear and tear, yeah. but he, again, he played every day at Toledo, and wear and tear didn't seem to wear him down. Lloyd McClendon has a good feel. Right. He watched him every day, and that's certainly part of the equation. Lloyd's probably telling Al Avila, and the scouts have watched him to feel defensively, absolutely. I think that is the consensus. Now, the other thing, too, is tomorrow is the Hall of Fame announcement. Uh, it comes out, who's going to be in the Hall of Fame, don't. Uh, I have a vote in, and I'll tell you what my ballot is uh, coming up next. Uh, Dan, I'd be interested to hear uh, what you Ooh, have. Not easy, uh, as you when, write the names down. Uh, as you, you know, what your ballot is. And, and uh, look, Barnes and uh, Roger Clements are gaining support. to tell you whether I voted for them or not. And, uh, Dan, find out whether you would put them on your ballot as well. That will be coming up next. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, if the Tigers traded Jose Iglesias and they went with Dixon Machado, would you be upset about that? Because Iglesias is a fan favorite. Also, your thoughts, should Barnes and Clements get into the Hall of Fame? I would love to hear people's opinions on that because you you and I are going to talk about it, the reasons why we do or don't think so, and I'd love to hear what fans think because I do think opinions are changing, especially now that Bud Selig is going in. 248-539-9797 is the phone number. Nick Castellanos, the Tigers third baseman, will join us at 745. Now, the show's about you. Give us a call. We'll talk to you. We want to talk baseball. People love to talk baseball, especially at this time of the year. Makes them think of spring training. They give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Pack and put her Dan Dickerson, Tiger Talk, and 97 won the ticket. Back down because you don't back down. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio 97.1. The ticket. Swinging a little pop up here into shallow center. Iglesias going out. The over the head basket catch. On <laughs> uh, a ball that nobody else is going to get. Right. That was all his. Off speed pitch head. Eibner fully extended. A soft little pop up to Iglesias ends the top of the second. Jose Iglesias challenges how you call the game sometimes. It wasn't an over-the-shoulder catch. I said over-the-head. That doesn't really sound right to me either. But Springer was running with his back to home plate and somehow picks the ball up over his head and and makes a catch. It looks like it's blind every time. He says he's got a strategy to it. He described it to me one day, but I still don't know how he does it. Well, special. I mean, those (laughs) plays, you can think of like four or five times at least, you know, where that that type of play that you described uh, happened. So, and he's flashy. You know, a lot of times he turned to double plays, uh, you know, he does some things that make your your jaw drop defensively. He snapped the ball, but 
little less of that this past they, year they, and they more made solid. A point of emphasis on being a little less flashy, a little more reliable, and he was. Yeah. So you know, he, the teams are interested in him, I hear. And it's possible that he may be moved. Would you be upset about that? Because he is a, definitely a fan favorite. I know not last year. I didn't criticize his play last year because I thought he was a lot better. Rarely was, did I find anything, you know, to say like I had said in the past. But a few times uh, before last year, I said, hey, look, this guy's all flash. There's not a lot of substance here. And a lot of fans got very angry at me and said, hey, you Does know, that happen often? Yeah, so uh, yeah, once in a while. <laughs> when you're in this business, when you're an opinionist. So, but, uh, you know, how do you feel about it? I know he's a fan favorite. Uh, how do people feel about it? And I, I, I freely admit, Dan, you, you know, I have no feel for whether Dixon Machado, sometimes you look at guys and you, you do have an opinion about yeah. it. Sometimes you're right or wrong. It doesn't mean, you know. But with Dixon Machado, I I, I don't. I, well, I don't. And we haven't. And you've watched him in the minor leagues. I have not. Uh, we've only seen him for a really, in the end, a handful of games at the major right. league level. I've just been impressed with what I've seen and go by what the Tigers feel in terms of his defense. And then watching those games, uh, it's it, it, I didn't get a feel for it. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. The other thing that uh, Al mentioned last week was Anthony goes. They still he's still around for yeah. all the troubles he had last year because they feel he's a really good defensive center fielder. We didn't have time to really kind of follow up on that. That was one of the last things he talked about. But by the numbers, Anthony Ghost does not, as you know, grade out very well in center field. No. Either the year he played a lot or a little bit last year, he does not grade out above average. They try to position him a little bit deeper. He was better on deep balls last year. But overall, he doesn't make the kind of play. He And it's it's one of those puzzles to me because I like the defensive numbers. You have to look at something when yeah. you're looking at guys from other teams especially. Anthony Ghost does look good in center field. He's got quickness. I think he's got a quick first step, but he did get beat on a lot of balls deep the year he played a lot of center field. And, again, last year he didn't play a whole lot. He looks like a guy who could be a good center fielder, but he does not grade out well there. So that, to me, is is one of the, a bit of a puzzle. Deeper positioning does help. His arm was strong but erratic. Um, and you wonder, if he's, is he around just to provide a little bit of competition for Collins and Jacoby Jones? Because I can't picture a scenario, and perhaps to increase his trade value, he's out of options. Or does he have a legitimate shot? I don't picture him having a legitimate shot to be the starting center fielder. Well, uh, when they first traded for him, I couldn't believe that they got him for Travis. Uh, not that I thought Travis was a bad prospect. He's actually done some good things in the major leagues, quite a few, a lot more than Anthony Ghost. You Anthony, thought advantage Tigers in that trade? Well, I thought Anthony Ghost, he was rated as one of the top 40 prospects. Uh, everything about him as a player, I like his speed, his, the way he sets up at the plate. Uh, it looks like he's got potential as a hitter. I like everything about him except for the way he plays and the small doses uh, that I've gotten <laughs> like about Ant from Anthony Ghost. <laughs> I like, like everything about him except for the way he plays. <laughs> and the person. You know, and the way he's conducted himself it tells me that there's it's, it's a mind game mm-hmm. that he that the things that uh, separate uh, major league players. I think you you absolutely nailed it right there. Um, because he should be a good player by all the tools and the measurables and, and things like that, um, and he just doesn't play well. And if you know you look at Travis and the way he approaches the game and the way he performs on the, at the moment and goes, you know, the comments the ghost made. Uh, just he was, even on the media tour uh, last year, there were a couple things he said that just kind of raised some eyebrows. And then, uh, really, when they talked about defensive metrics, uh, he he kind of went off on that and different things. <laughs> it was um, a hoax. And then just a couple times, <laughs> like after games, when I've been in the media, yeah. scrum around him, uh, you can see where he's missing something. And not I don't know Travis from Boo. 
uh, that way, other than to know he's one of these guys who's, you know, look, uh, is going to get the most out of every moment. That we're going we're to talk to a guy today who constantly grinds in Castellanos. You don't hear a lot of excuses from players like that. Um, and, you know, they eventually they end up making it. It's a tough game. You know, it's a game of failure, and you immediately got to get off the, you know, the bike and right back on it the right. next day. There's, there's advantages and disadvantages to that. I think with Anthony Ghost, it's the, the mind part of that. Uh, you know, and uh, doing I think that. you hit on something because I mean, Wally Joyner believed in Anthony Ghost when when he was struggling at. I mean, and he struggled at the plate. Wally Joyner always believed, and Wally was very honest. When you got, you know, you could just say off the record, you tell me what you think. He he really thought that upside was there. You yeah. saw the potential. I mean, the skills well, so are there. I mean, you know. and he always pointed to it's it's you have to believe yourself that you're that good. Right. And he wasn't ever sure that Anthony did. And you gotta, you know, I don't know how to describe it, but. You know, Jim describes it, and it's a very simplistic way about Ian Kinsler. You know, when you guys are doing the broadcast, and I think people might hear it and say, oh, that's a trite thing. They'll just go, you know, Ian Kinsler's a ball player. You know, every <laughs> once in a while you hear that term, and it's just a total cliche. But Ian Kinsler, you know exactly what that right. means. And with Anthony Ghost, that that other part, you kind of kind of get the message. And, you know, that light bulb needs to go off there. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Uh, George, you're on ninety-seven won the ticket. Uh, Tiger Talk, what's up, buddy? Hey, good, good. It's great to talk baseball in January. Forty degrees and rain. This Always. could be April or it could be late <laughs> September. Could, yeah, it uh, could be a November World Series <laughs> night. Yeah. So that being said, I, I can't really comment on, on Glacies because I just view him as, you know, very strong infielder, defensive, weak hitter. You know, I grew up with Eddie Brinkman, so it, you know it's. <laughs> Sort of, you know, I mean, it, how, how do you say that? That's right. how I look at it. And I don't know enough about Dixon Machado to make a, an educated guess on, on replacing Iglesias, so I'd say keep him. But I want to get into the Bonds um, Clemens Hall thing. Sure, please do. Always, so, you know, first of all, I, I've always said steroids baseball was some of the most exciting baseball I witnessed in my life, <laughs> if you want a real answer. No. Um, to have me tell the truth. However, you know, Put it, you know, I, and I've always said steroids don't help you make contact with a baseball, and they don't help you put movement on a baseball or place your pitch. But that being said, and, and these two gentlemen are, are two of the best at what they did. That being said, though, if you put them into the Hall of Fame, then my, my thought is, aren't you then condoning what they did, who are two of the uh, most egregious offenders, and then it's, I guess, up to baseball to decide, do you ban this stuff or not? Because... They're getting in because they were good. However, they cheated about as hardcore as you could using these substances. And I'm not, you know, I'm curious your thoughts on that because you're sort of darned if you do, darned if you don't. I voted voted for him this year uh, for the first time. So what made you change your mind? uh, Because I know uh, for a a tremendous degree of certainty, not just hearsay, that uh, there are players that are in the Hall of Fame now who did do steroids. So why would you keep these guys out because they were, you know, so-called caught or suspected when somebody else who did it just as much as they did and maybe even more uh, gets into the Hall of Fame? So, but I can't tell you who and why and all of That's why they call the book Game of Shadows because you end up getting sued and somebody who told you this will deny they told you this and that and all those things. So, but, um, well, you know, baseball evaluate what's banned and not banned. 
Well, I mean, I mean, seriously on this. I mean, at that particular era, there are several players that are going to be in the Hall of Fame the next few years. They can't avoid it. Uh, who are mm-hmm. going to be actually use PEDs and weren't detected with it. it. It was, you know, or weren't named in the Mitchell Report or in the Jose Canseco book and all that sure. stuff. And yet everybody knows that they did it. Uh, so it's one of those type of things. So, you know, after a certain point when you start to see guys get in anyway, uh, you've just, you know, to me it's time to vote on the merit. Other yep. things like Bud Selig, you know, gets in and, you know, he benefited from uh, the steroids <laughs> era a great deal because it helped the labor piece in the game after they had stoppages. There's all kinds of different reasons in doing it. But I always felt uncomfortable, George, myself, uh, not voting for the best hitter I've ever seen in Barry Bonds and the best pitcher I've ever seen in Roger Clemens. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with your approach. I mean, I, I think they should be in. I think Pete Rose should be in. You know, it, it is what it is. I still think they were great players. I would have, I would vote for Pete awful. Rose if he were available, even though he, huh. you know, the knucklehead factor is like off the charts <laughs> with Pete Rose. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not saying they're the brightest bulbs out there, and they put things in their bodies that may well, still I mean, do incredible you know, harm to them. But that's a, that's a, that was their decision. You yeah. Know? But uh, you know, that's how I feel. I, I, I don't feel like it's a good guy award. Although there is a moral clause in there for yeah. a reason that you can apply to it, but, but you know, it's not a speech. But of it the seems Kiwanis to only club. be being applied now to those who are suspected of using PEDs and was not really applied to some of the well, some guys player. back in the day who used greenies, which were openly distributed or at least openly available in clubhouses. Yeah, which, means, yeah, that's and you can say were. that's not a performance enhancement. Well, it helped your performance, Absolutely. didn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely did. So uh, the, the, there is that moral character clause, whatever you want to call it, but it, it seems to be selectively applied. Well, if you've got, and, like, after the rules are applied, Manny Ramirez gets, you know, he gets banged for that. You know, right. come on. And uh, Rafael Palmero, okay, that's a little bit different circumstance. but Yeah, I, I came, I don't know, I came to this realization last year. You guys, meaning baseball writers who vote for this, were in an unfair position to me of being judge and jury on the PED issue. Guys were clearly being kept out like Bonds and Clemens because they had knowingly used PEDs. And then you're in the position of, what about this guy? Well, I heard he used, and I heard maybe from this guy. And then all of a sudden, you guys have to turn. That's why I just, it seemed last year, it really just hit me that, and I I don't like it, but to me, it was the only logical thing to do. You vote for the guy based on what he did in his career. Uh, and Bonds up. and Clemens are simply two of the best ever. Coming up next, Dan, I, I'm interested to hear you put in the Hall of Fame with this. I'll tell you who I voted for. Uh, that'll be coming up next. Nick Castellanos, Tigers third baseman, will join us at 745. Appreciate that phone call. Appreciate you listening tonight. It's Tiger Talking, 97 won the ticket. Ah, that's Double D, Dan Dickerson, two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. Okay, Dan, you got the Hall of Fame yeah. ballot. Uh, who would you have voted for this year? So you're, you're only allowed to put ten names on it, That's right. You know, I, as much as I've been reading, I hadn't really looked at the full list and realized how tough a choice this was. Yeah, it was a pretty loaded class. It really was loaded. And now that Bonds and Clemens, who were not being considered really, they didn't get any support two years ago, and now it's starting to build – and, again, my feeling is vote based on the numbers. Educate yourself as a student of the game as to what was going on at that time. But, again, because of the reasons we talked about, Bonds and Clemens are in, then Messina's in, Schilling, Bagwell, and then Tim Raines has to be in. Right. Edgar Martinez, I've got him in. Okay. Rodriguez, yes. But, I mean, was he the best DH? Yeah, DH is a position, right? 
yes. Pudge Rodriguez is in, and then I've got uh, Trevor Hoffman, number 10, because, you know, I think relievers have a very tough time. It, it, if it's only the Mariano Rivera's of the world are going to get in the Hall of Fame, there's only going to be one reliever in the Hall of Fame <laughs> from here on out. Trevor Hoffman had 600 saves. Whatever you think of the save statistic, he did his job remarkably well for a long, long time. Well, Trevor Hoffman, uh, I didn't vote for him this year, but that might be the one guy uh, that I in the future that I'd left off my ballot that I'd still consider in the future. I had nine uh, players on my ballot this year. Oh, and by the way, just just real quick, so people understand how tough this is. Again, I didn't have a vote. Broadcasters don't get to vote. Uh, I'm leaving off Sheffield, Vladimir Guerrero, Manny Ramirez, Sammy Sosa, just to give you an idea of some of the people leaving off if I voted for those ten. No, you know, it's a, Sosa, there's a lot of, you know, he had 600 and some home runs. There's a lot of question about his uh, steroid use. There's actually no actual proof of that. Uh, but his other numbers weren't as impressive or his career as long as what you would be. Just when you hit 60 home runs in four years, it makes your home run total go <laughs> up a lot more than what, you know, what you might think. Um, but he wasn't metrically that good. This is my list of nine players I had this year. Kurt Schilling. Uh, Tim Raines, I absolutely believe he belongs in. It's his last year on the ballot. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, uh, Bagwell, uh, Mucina, uh, Pudge, Larry Walker. Mm-hmm. Did I mention Walker? Because I did have a check mark next to his yeah, name. Larry Walker, uh, you know, is an underrated player. And, uh, he wasn't just a product of Coors Field. Uh, looking at the numbers, he did pretty well away. And, and he, I was always convinced that he was. But, no, strong numbers on the road did compare to, well, say, Ken Griffey Jr. Right. And uh, Jeff Kent. I put him on the list. Hmm. I thought he for a middle infielder. That would be the one guy that probably, oh, him and Walker probably. Pudge I definitely think belongs on. Um, Mucina, I think Mucina and Schilling absolutely belong in, but there's a lot of prejudice towards starting pitchers of this era because they look at these guys from the 60s, which was a completely different era, and they don't project guys like uh, uh, Schilling and Mucina into how starters are used in modern uh, era. That so they, they have low win totals, quote-unquote, against them. And higher ERAs, right. and they pitch in different eras than guys who pitch in the 60s. It was used against Morris, but Morris didn't have real good wins above replacement. Uh, these guys have outstanding metrics, uh, particularly Kurt Schilling, uh, who's one of the top, I believe, 26 pitchers in the history of the game uh, in terms of wins above replacement. So that's my list. What do you guys think? Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the number. Hey, Matt, you're on ninety seven one The Ticket Tiger Talk. What's up, buddy? Yes, guys. Um, my feeling about the, the Hall of Fame is I look at two players that I'm going to pick out. One was in 1989 when Rafael Palmero was involved in a seven- or eight-player deal with the Rangers from the Cubs. And I said, I heard of this guy. You know, I said, he's a good punch-and-judy hitter. You know, he's going to hit you 290 <laughs> and maybe eight home runs, which he did his first few years, you know, eight to Until 14 Until he home was runs. age 30. And he ends up with... He ends up with 564 or three home runs and 1,800 RBIs. Come on. And and uh, Mark McGuire, uh, Sammy Sosa, I saw him as being a 25-home run person when George Bush was the managing partner of the Texas Rangers. Right. He ends up, he has 66. I think he had more home runs in a, in a three-year three period than anybody in the history of baseball. Yeah. 66 home runs in one season, 608 or whatever it was for his career. Come on. Uh, And and I'd like to ask you one question, Pat. When was it that you decided that Barry Bonds was the greatest hitter that you've ever seen at what point in his career? 
Uh, you know, it was uh, when he was with the Giants, you know, and he was going through, you know, after the he, he started, his head grew and, you know, literally <laughs> and uh, started to do that. But his, you know, his, patient, his patience, so there is a point there, but he was a great hitter before that, five-time right. player. So, but I understand your point on it, but and it's the same with Clements. I don't know when he started and when he didn't. It was kind of odd how he started to throw harder when he was older. I thought that that was somewhat odd. Um, at the time, and you know, and I was naive about it for a period of time that it didn't affect pitchers as much as it affected hitters. So I started talking to some pitching coaches who told me, "Hey, man, you know, it does help the pitchers a lot. Uh, they do start to throw harder when they start juicing like that." So, um, you know, it's just a lot to it uh, when it comes down to it. But you're right. I mean, it was during that period when he had a on, you know, on base percentage over 600. You know. <laughs> Uh, that, uh, you know, yearly where it was like that to the point where I took my nephew out and took him on a road trip because he never played against the Tigers here in Detroit uh, and took him on the road so he could watch him play you know, out in Arizona uh, that he was such a great hitter. But, you know, again, it's you know, to me, it's not a good guy award. You know, Barry Bonds is a complete and total jerk. He truly is. Clements is, too. But I vote, you know, I mean, it's not a good guy award. Kurt Schilling's an you know, horrible. I'd use a but the thing about it is with me, with me and Barry Bonds is that I think Barry Bonds would have been a Hall of Fame player even before that. What he was doing with Pittsburgh, well, he probably would have kept been. on that track. Absolutely, same with Clemens. I mean, you know, uh, it's just they went from you know a certain point to another point. But uh, you know, to me, it was always I felt kind of odd leaving them off the ballot, knowing that there were others. That uh, in the game that was so prevalent in the game. I mean, I can name you player after player after player that everybody knew was doing it, uh, including many who played here in Detroit. And but you know, it's one of those things where you, you talk to people and they don't know because they didn't live through that era or they didn't cover the game in that era. So they they say they, they things like, "Oh, there's no definitive proof," and there's, that's that's they, why they, to they me, have no idea what they're talking about, that, how ignorant they are on it. And that's but, why it makes sense to just say, "Okay." Let's just vote based on on the merits of their numbers and their production or lack thereof. Because otherwise, you're going to just get bogged down in who did, who didn't. I heard, he heard, she heard, and then then you're becoming judge and jury. Based That's on right. innuendo, sometimes let's face it, secondhand information. I know, you, I know you have your sources, Pat, but I'm just saying this is what it puts the position of voters. It puts them in an awkward position. Now you're just voting on the merits of their production uh, or lack of. But it was far more prevalent than you know, and it, it's something you know. And there are players who've been hurt, you know, caught now. But think about the denials by, the example, Ryan Braun. You know, I mean, oh, I didn't do it. I'm going to sue this guy. I'm going to do this and that, and he was. You know, it turned out he got busted and was the biggest fraud of all time. Yep. All those players were like that at that time. And there were many, many players, hundreds of players, all right, you, you don't understand that were doing it. And it took grand jury testimony leaked to a couple reporters from the San Francisco Chronicle to actually blow the lid off of this and the death of Ken Caminiti. Those are the only things that came out. It was like this secret underground thing that you have no idea what you don't know when you talk about it. And the people who... We're around it, you know, on a daily basis, such as myself, starting in the in the late 80s, uh, you know, understand exactly what was going on, yet they called it a game of shadows because you really can't point to it and, and do so without, you know, sub- being subjected to lawsuits. Jose Canseco sued Thomas Boswell. So you got to understand the way that is. So, But and in voting, it's put us in an awkward spot, those who know. But uh, once I, I saw that there were a couple players that went in uh, that I definitively knew 
uh, we're in, you know, Royds users. I said, hey, you know, it's time to, you know, Bonds and and Clements are, you know, these guys used it just as much as they did. Uh, 248 is the phone number. Hold that, though. Nick Castellanos will join us uh, coming up next The Tigers third baseman. Tiger Talk at 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio. 97-1, the ticket. There's a fly ball to center off the bat of Castellanos. This one's deep going back. Nick, when he's looking up, and that ball is gone! A home run! Whoa. Nick Castellanos with a three-run blast to straightaway center, and the Tigers lead it 8-2. to two. Joining us now on Tiger Talk is uh, third baseman Nick Castellanos. How you doing, Nick? Very good. How are you guys? Good. Good to hear you. Good to hear your voice and get ready for another season. Yeah, it is. Oh, Nick, uh, last year, uh, you know, it was both a good news, bad news tale for you. You had a pretty good year, and then the injury came and uh, kind of derailed things. How frustrating was it for you uh, during that pennant race uh, to be out? It was uh, the first significant injury you've had of your career, and uh, how do you feel about bouncing back from that? Um, I mean, it definitely, it definitely sucked, no doubt about it, but I mean, you know, it was my first career, it was my first uh, injury in my career, and I just try to use it as a learning experience, you know, and uh, just keep working, try to stay, you know, focused. So when I was 100%, you know, and my hand was back to where I could play, like, I was able to contribute. So, you know, I just, I try to learn, like, use it as a learning experience, but it definitely hurt not being out there on the field. You look back at that season, Nick, I mean, it was a season full of major improvements, both in the field and at the plate. I mean, how do you assess your year? But, I mean, it was batting averages up. The power numbers were rock solid and, and improved. How do you look at that season, and, and what, what kinds of things do you want to still get better at? I know players are always looking to get better, but what, what are some of the things you look at for 2017? Well, I mean, just to improve in, in every aspect of the game, really. You know, last year was was definitely my best year, but it's it's, it's a process. You know, everything is, is a process, and it's a, it's a learning curve, you know, each and every year. And I think I'm just becoming more comfortable and figuring out, you know, myself more as a baseball player. You know, uh, my my rookie season was tough, you know, trying to learn to play third base on the fly, you know, when I took, you know, two years, not just under two years off. So now I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm, I'm with the speed of the game, and, and whatnot, and it, I think it shows, you know. I know one of the, the guys who's helped you at third base and uh, is never going to let you <laughs> uh, not try to get better, but I know you're driven as well. But Matt Martin certainly has been a big part of, of your career defensively. I know you've gone to work with him down in Texas in the off season. Did you go down and work with uh, Matt this off season? I'm going to after Fan Fest. Right after Fan Fest. Just describe some of the yeah. things he does for you, Nick. Oh, uh, he's. Matt is, is one of the most unique, one of the best people I've ever met in my life. And he has so much passion for, for baseball, and he, he's the definition of a guy who doesn't do this for a paycheck. Uh, and he just wants to help all of the people who want to get better. And, um, you know, it's, it, he works on everything. He works on, you know, the way, I, the way I go about playing the position to defensive work to making sure that, you know, I don't tense up the closer I get to a, a hitter playing infield in. You know, he's he's very good at what he does. You know, uh, Nick, uh, we're talking Nick Cassiano's Tigers third baseman here on Tiger Talk and 97-1 the ticket. Um, looking at your your team this year, uh, you got pretty much everybody coming back. Uh, 
They kept the team together. There was a lot of talk about there was going to be changes in the offseason, and it doesn't look like there's going to be many as uh, spring training approaches. How confident are you that uh, you guys can uh, compete and maybe even overtake the Indians this year? Well, I think that if I, I think that if I stayed in the lineup, you know, and I don't get hurt, I think I think we would have had a very good chance of being in the, of being in the playoffs. You know, I don't know if we would have been better than the Indians, but I think it's a shame that we never had me and Upton, my Upton and my bat in the lineup at the same time, especially when Upton was hot towards the end. Right. That that could have been that could have been a lot of fun to watch, and uh, it was just it was just uh, it was just it wasn't a good timing, you know. And imagine if if we had JD's uh, JD's bat, my bat, and Upton's bat, and we're all going at the same time, and none of us get hurt, you know. So that's all of a sudden you got you have a lot of danger, you know, through your seven hole hitter. Yeah, and you know you had in Miggy and Kinsler, and you got Vmart still. It's a pretty potent lineup. Uh, in which you guys score a, a, a lot of runs. Um, looking at this uh, coming season, uh, how do you project it out, and uh, how do you approach the Indians? I mean, I, I know it had to stick in everybody's craw that the Cleveland Indians beat you guys as much head-to-head. Are you hoping to turn the tables on them this year? I mean, baseball is just one of those things. It's just a crazy stat, you know. Uh, we're not going into spring training like we got to beat the Indians. We still feel that all we got to do is beat the Detroit Tigers, and we're – we're going to be right where we want to be. We had major injuries on pitching and defense, you know, last like pitching and hitting last year, and it came down to the last game, and we still almost squeaked that thing out. Nick, we know. Uh, so, go ahead. I was going to say, we, we know about, obviously, Zimmerman and Verlander. We, we certainly learned about Michael Fulmer. But it, this is a team that's in a rare position to have three, perhaps, young pitchers all in the rotation in Norris, Fulmer, and Boyd. Can you just describe for Tiger fans – what impressed you about those three? I know there were some injuries involved with Norris, but those three especially, what they mean to the rotation? That's how that's how it starts. You know, how are you ever going to get three, you know, veteran studs? They usually start out as young rookie studs, and that's what we have. <laughs> we, have we have a really good young uh, pitching staff that has the opportunity to work together and grow, and, and grow together. And, you know, it, chemistry is huge. So I think if you get three young pitchers, that are all very good friends together. Like they are very good friends, and, and they help each other out, and everybody's on the same page, especially with a veteran, you know, as as Justin is. And you you can you can make some special things happen in the future. Well, when you you sit back and you look uh, at uh, you know last year and then this year, uh, you guys made a lot of improvement from the year before. So if you just get a few more wins, you get over that ninety win total, uh, maybe you'll uh, get into the playoffs. But Nick, uh, good luck to you on the coming season. We appreciate you taking the time and talking to us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Thanks, Nick. There you go. That's uh, Tigers third baseman Nick Castellanos. You know, the one thing I was always impressed with him as a player, Dan, we were talking about him break. Uh, He's a guy that keeps coming at you. I mean, he doesn't – the downs of the game, he gets knocked down. He keeps getting up. And you've seen that year-to-year improvement from him. Yeah, and what he did at the plate last year, major improvement. A lot of hard work goes into it. Remember, he's still shy of his 25th birthday. Yeah, I'll see you Saturday down at yes. Tiger Fest. Uh, I'm doing the show down there. I think I start the show at 10, but you join the show at 11 with all yes. these uh, Tiger guests. Three editions of Inside Tiger Town, or Tiger Talk, in seven days. It's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> uh, but that'll be uh, 11 o'clock, Al Avila, and uh, many of the players, yeah, including Justin, Justin Verlander, Verlander, James McCann. Uh, we've also got, uh, well, we'll hear the aforementioned uh, Matt Martin, 
uh, along with Nick Castellanos. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good lineup. Yeah, I think they call it the Tiger Club. That's where we'll be located down there if you're at the Tiger Fest uh, for that. And you can hear it, of course, here on 97.1, the ticket. Uh, Dan, enjoyed it. We'll talk to you next week. Right. Uh, I'm coming up next with the uh, legendary uh, Dennis Fithian here on 97.1, the ticket.